Welcome to Jim Lang's Retire Secure Podcast, where smart money talks. Throughout his career, Jim Lang has made it a priority to provide his clients, readers, and friends with useful, cutting-edge information, as well as peer-reviewed financial and tax planning strategies, so that they can make the most educated decisions and really get the most out of what they've got. We hope you enjoy the following special read broadcast from the Lang Vault. Please stay with us until the end so you don't miss more information on how we can help you protect your wealth and ensure your family's financial security for the next generation. And now, Jim Lang. Do we want to take one more, Erica? Um, sure. Let's see. Uh, we have a question from Mark. He says, I contributed $60,000 to a 529 on behalf of a grandchild in 2021, exceeded the $15,000, I think it's a little higher than 15 now though, right? Uh, gifting limit by spreading out over five years. Um, if I want to gift cash to the grandchild savings in 2022, would I still have a $15,000 limit or would it be reduced? Well, all right, so now we're talking about, um, now we're going outside the world of transfer tax, I'm sorry, of income tax to the world of transfer tax. Now, in the United States, there's two basic, well, maybe three basic types of taxes. One is income tax, which we're all familiar with. We filed a 1040 uh, by April 15th of the year following the year in which the income was uh, earned or accrued. And... Uh, that is income tax. Then the second type of tax is a transfer tax, typically at death, but you can also have gift taxes. And the transfer tax um, occurs at the federal level um, over a certain exclusion amount, and um, which right now is $12.3 million. And if you're married, that's 26, uh, $24.6 million exclusion. We don't think that that's going to be around. But anyway, that but many states have a transfer tax. So for example, the state of Pennsylvania, if you leave money to uh, a spouse, that is, and, and I think virtually all the states, that is not taxable or an unlimited marital deduction. But if you leave tax to say, leave money to say a, uh, an heir, an, a lineal heir, a child or a grandchild, that will be taxed for transfer tax purposes at 4.5% and many other states have either pickup or some type of transfer tax. So the question though, back to the 529 plan, the 529 plan does allow a five year contribution um, and without eating into your once in a lifetime exclusion, meaning that, you know, um, you know it is $16,000 now, but let's say for discussion's sake, and let's forget about the 529 plan. Let's say that you uh, give your beneficiary $116,000. And let's forget about joint, et cetera. So you gave them $116,000. $16,000 is not going to be subject to transfer tax. But you exceeded that by $100,000. Does that mean you have to pay gift tax on $100,000 now? No. What it means is that you have eaten into your lifetime exclusion by $100,000. So even if you're single with the current ex exclusion of $12.3 million, 
that means that you will have eaten into your exclusion by $100,000. So your new exclusion will be $12.2 million instead of 12.3. Well, who cares? And one of the reasons that this is really important is we have a lot of clients who don't really understand that if they exceed the $16,000 per year per beneficiary or $32,000 if your spouse joins in the gift, if you exceed that, that, that doesn't trigger tax. That just triggers a reduction in your exclusion. And if you are way below where the exclusion will ever be when you die, then it's pretty irrelevant. In fact, there are enormous benefits of making what is called a credit-consuming gift. So I'll just give you an example. And let's forget about the $16,000 exclusion. And let's say that there's a lot of money in your estate and you're trying to figure out how to reduce both income taxes and estate taxes. Uh, you give a million dollars. I always like to start off with a high number just to shock people, even if my practical goal is much lower than that. But let's say if you can afford to give a million dollars and I'll just keep it simple, you give it to your son, say happy birthday, or you can do all kinds of variations of gifts, which we'll get into. All right, happy birthday, here's a million dollars. All right, now, you have eaten into, or a million sixteen thousand dollars you've eaten into your exclusion by a million dollars, all right? Let's say that you do die with a federal estate tax situation. And by the way, uh, the existing law is it's gonna come back to where it was in 2017 plus inflation, Back then it was $5 million. So let's just say your estate is bigger than that. Let's say it's substantially bigger than that. By gifting the million dollars, you're, yes, you're eating into your exclusion that will reduce the amount that you can exclude from your estate when you die. So if you gift a million dollars and you die the next day, you haven't really, other than the $16,000, you really haven't done anything. But if you gift the million dollars, all right, and let's say that you live 30 years, if you didn't gift the million dollars and you invested that money, say, at 7%, that million would grow to $2 million in 10 years, um, $4 million in 20 years, and $8 million in 30 years. Now, um, you have reduced your exclusion by a million, but what that means is you have got the growth of that money, which is, let's say, $7 million out of your estate. If that money is ultimately taxed at, say, 40%, you just saved about $3 million in federal estate taxes by making that big gift. So I know that that wasn't really the question, but it's a really important item that people should keep in mind when they are considering the long-term benefits to the family. We're going to be talking a little bit more about gifting now, but I thought that question would be an opportunity to talk about it. All right, so now we're going to switch over to the SECURE Act. And this is so miserable. I call it a stinking pig with a pretty bow or the massive income tax acceleration for, I, for beneficiaries of IRA acts. And, you know, it got all kinds of good press when it came out, you know, and they said, oh, boy, guess what? And this is, to me, the only decent thing that really has an impact on uh, most of the people that I believe it is relevant uh, for, which is... The old minimum required distribution age was 70 and a half. Uh, technically, April 1st of the year, following the year, you turn 70 and a half. Now they said, okay, minimum required distribution starts at 72. And that's really helpful for a lot of our clients. So that's the benefit. 
Um, some of the other things are, I actually think, bad. For example, they now are letting the annuity companies um, manage 401ks. So now you can buy an annuity with inside your 401k. I am not a believer in uh, you know, virtually any of these high fee uh, investments. Um, but anyway, what the SECURE Act does is it says, and subject to exception, again, we're going to talk more about this tomorrow um, when we do the estate plan, but what it says is that your heirs have to pay income taxes on the entire inherited IRA within 10 years after your death. That's as opposed to the old rule when you were able to stretch or defer the taxes on the inherited IRA. Then you might say, well, gee, you know, what is the difference? And by the way, remember I said, don't pay taxes now, pay taxes later, um, even after you were gone. So what the SECURE Act is doing, it is forcing your heirs to pay income taxes much sooner than the old law, which allowed the heirs to stretch or defer the taxes on the inherited IRA. Um, again, we're going to cover that tomorrow, but the impact, the mathematical impact on that is, let's take a look at Mr. Solid Gray in the chart. Um, he died before 2020, which was the... Um, which was the effective date for people dying after uh, 2020, uh, which if you die after 2020, which if you're listening, you obviously will, um, and you don't meet any of the exceptions, given certain reasonable assumptions, uh, your heirs, and this, is, this chart applies to your heirs, not to you. It's assuming that your heir is 45 years old or 46 years old. Towards the end of their life, they will literally run out of money. You die with the exact same amount in the stretch IRA, either uh, under the old law, or let's say that you qualify for one of the exceptions. Instead of your heirs being broke towards the end of their lifetime, they have $2 million. So this is really the difference between your heirs being financially secure or your heirs being broke. This is really an enormous problem for people who have IRAs and retirement plans. Um, we're going to talk about some of the strategies. Uh, Roth IRAs are a great strategy. Again, we're going to concentrate uh, on Roth IRAs at uh, 1 o'clock today. And I highly encourage you to uh, attend that session. That, it, for many people, will be the most important session that you can attend. But the charts that I'm, I have shown you up to now and that I will continue to show, show you is based on current law. But I don't think that these tax rates, uh, either income tax rates or estate tax rates, are going to survive. And you might say, well, gee, Jim, we have a totally dysfunctional Congress. They're never going to pass anything. They can't agree on anything. Let's even say you're right. Let's assume Congress doesn't get it together to pass any tax law. What happened in the year 2017 is there was a substantial tax cut, both for federal income taxes and federal estate taxes. But in order to have the, uh, let's say, budget balanced or to have, have it not go too far um, in favor of the taxpayers, they included sunset provisions. And these sunset provisions say, hey, these, 
these low income tax rates, these are, these are only temporary. And this is going to go back to, we're going to go back to the high rates of 2017 in the year 2026, all right, plus inflation. Then the estate tax exclusion, which again is now $12.3 million, that's going to go back to the old exclusion back the way it was in 2017, which was $5 million. And then you add inflation to that. So we really have, again, even if nothing is passed, we have this massive tax income, um, income and the state tax uh, raise in 2026. How much of a difference is it really? So what I have on the chart here is, um, and I'd like you to concentrate for the moment on the 2022 married filing joint rates. And what it says is you, you could have income up to $340,000. And after $178,000, you're taxed at the 24% bracket. Now you might even say, hey, gee, I'm in a much lower bracket than that, or gee, I'm retired. I'm not making that kind of money, but what it, let's even say your income is $100,000. What that means is, is that you could actually make a $240,000 Roth IRA conversion in the year 2022 and still be in the 24% tax bracket and we'll not worry about Medicare Part B, et cetera, for the moment. But if, the, if, if we undo if we do indeed sunset in 2026, which is part of the current law, that bracket that you were in, say in 24%, will go up to 33%. So if all the analysis that I'm showing on Roth IRAs and putting money in retirement plans um, makes sense at existing rates, just think how great it would be if you're getting some tax-free money for yourself or your heirs. Then after you lock in the tax-free money, tax rates go way up and you have this ta tax-free money, you're going to be even further ahead than the charts and the graphs that I had indicated. So this is really important to keep in mind that we are coming into a very significant tax increase and um, and yes, you can do it anecdotally, which some people do. They say, oh, look at the debt, look at all the expenses, look at the wars, look at all the money that we need, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I'm not saying that that doesn't make sense because it does make intuitive sense. Somehow, you know, we have to pay for all this stuff or at least begin to pay for all this stuff. Uh, tax increases are one way to do it. But if we can lock in tax-free growth, uh, both we and our heirs are going to be a lot better off. Now, right now with the $12.3 million exclusion, and even I'm a little bit uh, passe about this, say, oh, gee, with 12.3, you double that, you get 24.6 if you're married, you know, your estates are nowhere near that. We, what are we worried about a federal estate tax exclusion or exemption? Um, well, let's take a look historically at what the exemption amounts have been. And what you see in the chart is, um, let's say from 2009 to 2017, that's in effect what it would um, be. That, that's, that's where it was. Then you see where it is and where it is planning to be between, say, 2019 and 2026. Then it comes back down in 2026. 
But historically, the Fed, I mean, a lot of you were around when the exclusion was $600,000 and federal estate tax was the key to estate planning, not necessarily federal income tax. I've always been cognizant of federal income tax because that is a virtual certainty where federal estate or transfer tax is a maybe. But anyway, I bring this up to point out that we very well could end up where federal estate tax is much more important than it is right now. And some of the strategies that I'm talking about, particularly cashing in the IRA, paying the taxes, gifting it to your kids, and then having your kids invest that money tax-free ends up being a real bonanza to save, you know, just huge amounts of money in taxes um, for your heirs. Again, we're going to talk about Roth IRA conversions at one o'clock. Um, we're going to be talking about estate planning at uh, tomorrow at 10 o'clock. And again, cashing in the IRA, paying the taxes, gifting to your kids um, and other forms of gifting are an important strategy. So before I get into gifting, Erica, do we have any additional questions? I didn't give Erica sufficient warning. Oh, oh my goodness, I'm sorry. No, I was talking away and I hadn't turned my audio on. I apologize, everyone. All right. Um, Yes, we do have more questions from the live room. Um, we have one from Elaine, uh, and she uh, was asking about a, an HSA, or 529 rather. And she said, I was told my grandchild's 529 would be added to my estate when I die since I am the owner and she is the beneficiary, even if I did a gift tax return for her with a five-year gift. Is that correct? No. Um, here, here's a really interesting thing about a 529 plan. A 529 plan, which I think is great, um, you know, we used it for my daughter. I would say the majority of our clients use 529 plans. It is, um, it's like a Roth IRA in a way because you have tax-free growth, assuming the money is eventually withdrawn for a qualifying educational use. But the other thing that's really cool about a 529 plan is it is not in your state when you die, either for federal or state inheritance tax purposes. And here's the really interesting thing. So let's say that you have a fair amount of money and you have, uh, let's say, grandchildren that you want to provide for their education. In the back of many clients' minds, even though an objective analysis would indicate that they have more than enough money to spend whatever they want and to gift whatever they want or to gift substantially, they still in the back of their minds think, well, gee, what if the market goes down 40%? What if um, the last illness is very expensive and I have given this money away and it turns out that I need it? Well, rather than poo-poo that fear, which is a very real uh, fear, whether there's a high percentage of that happening or not, I would say statistically very low for the vast majority of my clients. But with a 529 plan, you can actually take it back if you need it. So it's sometimes called a gift with a string. 
So the 529 plan is not subject to the, you're not eating into your exclusion. It's not really deemed a, um, um, something that will be in your estate, but um, it is a gift with a string. Now I have never, and I can't, I don't know how long 529 plans have been around, probably 20 years, maybe. I remember reading Joe Hurley, you know, a long time ago. Uh, that's one of the good books, by the way, the better books. They probably have something more current now. But Joe Hurley's, uh, I think what's called The Best Way to Save for College, great, great book on 529 plans. And I think he's kept updating that. But anyway, it is one of the only areas that you can make a gift. It's not in your estate when you die, but if you need it, you can pull back the string and get it back. I've never seen anybody pull back this the string. So I would say it is a great area, a great way to make a gift. Why don't we take one or two more and then we will move on. Great. Thanks, Jim. Uh, now, this next question is from Mark, and I thought it was actually quite interesting. Uh, he asks, if I file a gift tax return on a gift of $4 million today under the current estate tax rules and die after the sunset in 2026, he's saying sunset of the current uh, level or the current exemption, um, with more than the gift tax exclusion, does that, does the uh, 4 million gift now count toward the current exclusion or the future exclusion? Well, you're now getting into a really interesting area. Um, and there is, I forget the name of the law that it, it applies, but we have found that it applies, and, and it's very fact specific, and there, there aren't enough details in this question to really answer that question. But the general rule is, and I think for most people, and I'd have to take a, a second look, um, but I, I actually remember looking at this exact issue and I was getting excited. And then Matt Schwartz, our veteran estate attorney, says, no, don't get so excited. The, the main advantage of making a significant gift now is getting the appreciation out of your estate. Uh, there is a set of rules, and I can't remember the name of them, that might apply under some situations where that could end up being beneficial. And I remember getting really excited about that. And then when we got into the nitty gritty, it really didn't apply to very many people at all. So without knowing more of your facts and with my memory being a little bit fuzzy on this issue, just because it, 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 it didn't come up until I was reading about it. And then, you know, I always get excited about different strategies and was thinking the same thing. But in general, I don't think that that's going to apply. The benefit of the significant gift is let's assume that you don't die very soon. Let's say that you live for a number of years, 5, 10, 20, 30 years uh, of getting the appreciation of that money on the gift outside of your estate that could end up potentially, if you're talking about a gift of $4 million, you're talking about potential millions of dollars of estate tax. We hope you enjoyed this special edition of the Lang Money Hour, where smart money talks. If you've discovered the answers to your questions and would like to schedule an appointment with Jim, please call our offices at 1-800-387-1129. That number again is 1-800-387-1129. Or if you would like to attend one of Jim's upcoming webinars, 
Go to paytaxeslater.com forward slash 2020 webinars. That address again is paytaxeslater.com forward slash 2020 webinars. That's 2020 webinars.